Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. Happy Tuesday, loves. Always a happy day when it's a Tuesday. And we hope you have been out there making some friends. We've had some incredible feedback from our episode on how to make friends as an adult that we uploaded last week. If you haven't had a listen yet, definitely recommend you go check that one out. And we've actually had so many people writing to us being like, this is something that I really want to know more about. And I've never really known how to go about making friends as an adult. And from Insta polling, it turns out pretty much everybody seems to want to make more friends. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like it's this untapped, unspoken thing that we uncovered through that episode. And I just had no idea how relevant it would be for people. And Steph actually spoke about her friend, Dean, who is so good at making new friends. And we actually actually did a Q&A with him on our Instagram. It's sitting there in the highlights if you want to go check it out at how to live the podcast on Instagram and he gave some incredible tips and tricks. He really did and with this new knowledge that everybody does want to be making new friends which I feel like we probably all thought the opposite. We probably all thought that oh everyone's fine, no one needs new friends. So this is a huge revelation and we're thinking about ways now that we can use our community to connect people, to get people making new friends. And also, as always, talking about these things that everybody's thinking, but no one's actually saying. So definitely come on over to our Facebook group, How to Live the Podcast, because we are going to be exploring new ways of all making friends together and connecting. Love it. I'm so excited. I can't wait to make new friends with all of you guys. Same. And speaking of friends, today we actually have on the podcast an old friend of ours and a mentor. Sharon Churin is the founder of global healthy snack brand Slim Secrets. And she's also been our business mentor for the last, mm, has it been four years already? Five years? Mm, Five years even. Five years. Shaz is our go-to on any just little question that we have. She has a really interesting and unique perspective. She's really nurturing and supportive and she's so so open in sharing the ways that she has built her own incredible brand. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode to hear what supermodel we are interviewing on this podcast next week and enjoy Sharon. We're so excited to be able to interview you today because we realized because you've always been our mentor, a lot of the relationship has been you asking us questions. It's been about our business, not about your business. Oh, it's been a two-way street. It has, but more about our business. And when we were diving into your background and Googling you and everything, we were like really Uh excited to get to kind of know you a little bit more after all these years. Yeah, it was really fun to like get to know all the things about your business that I just didn't know. A bit scary. I'm scared of what you found out. No, (laughs) all very cool and exciting things. And also when we were looking at the calendar for this interview, we realized that it's about four years ago 
to the date that we were in Israel together on Mamilla, the mentor oh. program where you were our mentor. Oh, wow. Four years. Isn't that How crazy nuts? is that? Unbelievable. I feel like when I think about our business then, it's gone through so many pivots. I also think about myself then and, whoa, I was so young. I think everyone was about like 28, 29 yeah. and I was 23 Yeah, and you're about to turn 28. Yeah. That's well, weird. when we start asking questions, I'll remind you about the age of 23. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I'm excited for that one. So something we didn't know about you was that you were a wellness coach before you started Slim Secrets, had no idea. So we would love to hear about your life pre-Slim Secrets because that's really all we've known you for. Absolutely. Well, what's funny is you mentioned 23. So what I've done is I've actually done things back to front to what your generation do. Having studied law and in fourth year law, I actually got engaged. So I was 19 years old and I was married at the age of 20. So I was pregnant in final year law And I actually graduated, so I finished, but I was eight months pregnant. So I actually had my first child at 22. So you were talking about how young you felt. At 22, I had one child and then at 23, two. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I didn't realise you were so young because obviously Renan, my partner and Jamie, your son grew up really close. So everybody always thought of you as the cool mum. And I never realised is obviously because you were the The young young (laughs) mum. Yes, exactly. So that's where it all started. So whilst they were little, I actually worked in Peter, my husband's pharmacies at the time. So I loved everything about the health and wellness aspect of the pharmacy, as well as the makeup. And yeah, that's what I just did part-time while the kids were growing up. So it was sort of back to front. I didn't start Slim Secrets till I was in my 40s. Yeah. Unlike you guys that, you know, get these great businesses underway early and and then have the kids later. (laughs) So to get to Slim Secrets, what I did was the pharmacies. And then Peter sold the pharmacies. I was really not happy with him. So all of a sudden I lost my job and my free samples. And Your wholesale and, discount. Exactly. And ended up, first of all, I wrote a first aid book for children and actually donated some of the proceeds to SIDS. And then from that, transitioned into helping some doctors through my sister-in-law, Nikki, her father, help set up an anti-aging clinic. And that's where all my interest in food and wellness and health came about. So I did that with them. And then I kept getting asked questions all the time about, I've put on weight and what can I eat? And my health has been affected and I'm worried about my heart. So all these things. And in the end, I decided to do a health and wellness course. And plus, some people started to want to do one-on-one coaching. So I did that whole combination of health and wellness coaching and then left the anti-aging clinic because I was too busy. So you were doing that health and wellness coaching and at what point were you like, oh, I should start this food business? Yep. The pivot was when everyone kept saying, I know what I should eat. I know I should exercise. I know what I should do. But my problem is that I'll eat healthy and then when it gets to five o'clock, I'm in the kitchen and I start grabbing all these snacks and, you know, biscuits and picking at everything and also at night time after dinner, I'll sit on the couch and go through a tub of ice cream. So it was really about finding snacks for them that would help fill them up so that they wouldn't actually overeat between meals. And at the time I looked around and there was really nothing on the shelves that I would 
advise anybody to have in terms of a quick on-the-go product. I mean, obviously, you know, your fruit, your vegetables, but that doesn't always satisfy the cravings. It's not always portable. So I thought, oh, I can do this. I knew that protein and fibre are very important in terms of helping fill you up. So I just started to do some Googling and Google became my best friend because I uh, decided to launch three bars, but the most important thing, they tasted great. So, you know, that was the whole goal and there was nothing like that at the time on mm. the market. What's really cool about the story as well is when I think about somebody starting a food business, I'm like, oh, they're a chef. You know, I have actually a pastry chef friend and right now she's starting a food business. But I think what's really cool about your story is you saw the gap and then you went from there. It wasn't like food first. And then you were like, let's do this business idea. It was actually something that you had people coming to you with that was a problem that they had. So how did you start to make your first few sales? Was it just to your clients? Was it to friends? What did that look like? I actually started a business that was never meant to be a business. It was actually going to be a hobby and it was really meant for my clients. My target market were all my friends and, you know, everyone I knew, my family, they were all target market. It really wasn't a business and it just kept rolling along where I'd speak to somebody about it and they'd say, oh my God, I've got a friend who, you know, is a distributor. And so it was not something that there was a, a roadmap or a plan. It just really happened. And one of the things that actually happened, which was, was great, was I met Janine Ellis at a charity function. And I said, look, can I just have a coffee with you, please? She was amazing. She straight away said yes. And she's obviously the founder of Boost, Boost Juice. Juice. Yes. And I just told her what I was doing and she pointed me in the right direction in terms of trademarking, which was something I hadn't really, I mean, being the lawyer that I am, I hadn't really done it as well as I should have at the time. So I went straight onto that. But also too, she pointed me in the direction of her buyer there as well and said, just go and chat to them. So within a very short period of launching the brand, we ended up on the counters of Boost Juice nationally. And that was pretty amazing. And what they'd done was they actually had trialled a whole lot of products because they really wanted to put some healthy snack products on the counter. They trialled a whole lot and they decided that ours were the winners at the time. So that gave us such confidence that, you know, it was in the right direction at that time. I love that story so much because it's about entrepreneurs helping other entrepreneurs. And clearly she would have had a similar scenario in her experience starting up a business. You know, there's always someone that you can reach out to that's like, oh yeah, head in this direction. And then how important it is to pay it forward in the same way that you have to us, let's say, is just so powerful. And it's so true. And it's had such an impact. You know, it was just a small thing. We had a coffee, but, you know, it really did impact me in those early days. And, you know, now when I get asked and I get asked quite often to meet with people and just have a chat and, you know, I always say yes, because I'll never forget that she said yes to me at the time. And I know she was busy. And I think what really strikes me about your story when I'm listening to it is, I love that organic story of you weren't kind of like, I need to be doing something. What can I be doing? You weren't necessarily looking for it. You were just going with the flow a little bit and following the path that you had for yourself in life. And this kind of almost found you, which is there's always something beautiful about that when you do start a business and it feels easy because we've done a lot of things and pivots and between the podcast and, you know, our blog and our shoes. And there's always something when it feels easy that you kind of know that you're onto something. But something else that I kind of realized is there's this confidence in just being able to say, 
this is what I want to do and oh, I've noticed this gap. And I think a lot of people notice gaps and they notice, oh, people could do with this product. And sometimes for people there's this fear and there's this shame and there's this, oh, I couldn't do this. I don't want to tell people. But when you do just go for it and start to talk to people about it, being like, I could do this, it opens up all these incredible doors. Like no one would think that you could just meet Janine Alice from Boost and start chatting to her and where that could lead you. So I just feel like there's such a cool message in there. You know, anyone can do anything. You just got to kind of put yourself out there and go for it. A hundred percent. And I can tell you that had I really realised what I was doing in terms of starting a business and asking maybe some of the right questions I should have asked, there might have been that fear factor as well. And I might not have approached it in the way that I had. There's some things I would have done very differently that would have been for the better. And then there are other things that I would have done that I don't think would have helped and would have actually held me back. So Mm, Sometimes too much information is a bad thing. Yes, yes. And today a lot of people are very into that information. I suppose it's also very accessible. And it actually can stop you from moving forward. Yeah. Getting the Google degree rather than the real degree is sometimes actually a better recipe for success. Definitely. And from those early days of selling into Boost, and I remember from a long time ago always seeing the Slim Secret snacks at Boost when I'd go get my Boost juice, mango magic after uni. (laughs) (laughs) And how has the business changed over the years from those early days? How did you take it from that to the business that it is now? So very early on, as well as Boost Juice, Woolworths called me and said, how can we get your products into our supermarkets, which 15 years ago was fantastic. Today, that wouldn't happen because so many brands out there. So within a very short period of time, we actually got distribution into the supermarkets plus some pharmacy distribution. So we started to align with distributors business is structured that we use a lot of contract manufacturers, contract warehouse, contract designer. So everything's contracted out. So in terms of working in the actual business, I did it on my own for about five years, which is not clever. (laughs) Um, And that's one thing I would not advise. And then somebody came in and worked with me because it just kept growing and growing. And today it's still small with just three of us in the business. But I mean, we sell to, I think it's 12 countries in all major retailers, you know, Coles, Woolworths, Priceline, Chemist Warehouse, petrol stations, airports, gyms. We're in lots of major retailers. And yet there's just three of us because we do contract out a lot of what we do. But the one change was, and I love, and this is what I love, is that the kids, three children, as you know, and each one of them has been involved in some shape or form in the business. And now Jamie's actually working with Slim Secrets to help grow our international sales, except for, you know, with COVID, that's actually put a little blimp in it. But aside from that, he's doing an amazing job. So it's such an incredible feeling to, you know, see where it started and to all of a sudden have family involved in the business that's now globally. What an incredible feeling. And the thing that I'm most inspired by about your story is how lean you've been able. Slim. Slim. (laughs) You've been able to keep the business. And I think this time in COVID has actually shown us how that can be so beneficial within a business. And that's definitely something that we really want to chat to you about. But 
First, when I think of Slim Secrets, what stands out to me has always been your celebrity and influencer gifting strategy. And I feel like you've always been ahead of the game with that. I remember talking to you in the early days about, in the early days of Tubes, we had an opportunity come up to get involved in a gifting suite at like the Teen Choice Awards, something like that. And you were just our go-to to be like, what the hell does this mean? What even is this? So you've always been ahead of the curve like that. And you've had people like Avril Lavigne, you've had Angelique Kerber, you've had Sophie Monk. So we wanted to ask you, how has that added or helped your business? Yeah, I think it's been an incredible part of our business and it's the part I love the most. (laughs) My kids laugh at me, but I just love influencer marketing. Whilst I started doing it 13 years ago, I was at the gifting suite at the Oscars, ended up at Elton John's party. Stop. Okay, we're hearing that story later. (laughs) Okay, later. Okay. But through the celebrities, I ended up getting some great PR back in Australia. I'd get phone calls from the radio station saying, you know, what was so-and-so wearing at Elton John's party? And so I got lots of PR in those days, which was a lot easier to get than it is these days. And, you know, we put products in goodie bags. So that was then when nobody actually knew what influencer marketing was. And then just we've been doing it for years. We sponsored Miss Universe about eight years ago. So we had Tegan Martin at the time, who was Miss Universe, was one of our brand ambassadors. And Avril Lavigne, that was bizarre. What is that story? Oh, you want to hear the Avril Lavigne story? Yes, please. Okay, so Avril Lavigne, we had sent product to a company in America who was one of Angelique Kerber's agents who was at the time number one tennis player in the world. So we'd sent them product and Avril Lavigne was also their client. And she came into their offices and she saw the products and she tried them and she really liked them. So they messaged me and said, look, Avril Lavigne doesn't do any endorsements, but she really likes your product. And what she would love to do if it's possible is do something, not be a brand ambassador, but just be a brand advocate, which is slightly different. And instead of paying her donate to Lyme's disease charity, which is her big thing because she had Lyme's disease. And I said, sounds great. Now, Avril Lavigne hadn't put any music out for a while, but, you know, everybody knew her and, you know, I thought this sounds perfect. So we said, yes. I was about to get on a plane overseas and she apparently posted this great photo, like we're sitting now, you know, jamming with music and the products. And all of a sudden my Twitter went berserk. I'm about to get on the plane. I'm looking at my phone. I'm going, what's going on? Anyway, she'd posted and all of a sudden all these people start coming on and start saying that it's not Avril that posted the photo. It's a girl called Melissa because Avril is dead and Melissa has taken over her body. So there was – what happened was – I remember this. So there was a conspiracy theory at the time that because Avril hadn't brought out any music – as of late or for a few years and because she'd been sick that it actually wasn't her in the photos that she'd been posting and that she was dead and that this girl called Melissa had actually taken over and that's who was posting. And because Avril also doesn't do any celebrity endorsements, that just was the nail on, I shouldn't say the coffin, but that it wasn't her. So it went 
crazy. Like I've never seen so much Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then at the airport, I all of a sudden had all these like Daily Mail and all these US magazines calling me (laughs) to say, what's going on? And anyway, it was just one of those things that ended up being a positive, but it could have been a negative. Mm. But we got so much publicity because of it. And, you know, we were asked, you know, different magazines here in Australia as well all about it. So that was my Avril Lavigne story. I imagine you would have been really cool in that situation. Like you're somebody who strikes me as doing well in a crisis. Look, yes. I mean, I was a little bit anxious at times when I'd see people, like people on Twitter, it's so scary sometimes what they say. And look, there is a moral to the story in terms of influencer marketing. And that is that you really do need to do some good homework beforehand. Because had I have actually realised that that was the case with this situation. I might not have have gone ahead with it. Mm. So it is important. Look, sometimes things happen when you do have influences that it's beyond all control and you actually can do as much homework as you want and you just can't anticipate something that's going to happen. Yeah, that's so true. Speaking of homework, even for this podcast, we have people that we've just seen on social media or we've heard of their business and we're like, they sound really great. And we had a scenario where we had set up an interview with somebody and then as Steph and I sat down to write it two days before, we started doing like a deep dive into her career and then really pulled out some cobwebs and we ended up having to cancel it. And it's hard when opportunities present themselves and they're like, oh, but it's so shiny. Like, I just want that. And it's hard to say, oh no, actually, maybe I should put that aside. But so important. Yes, yeah. 100%. And, you know, I think we do get a lot of people commenting on what we do. And I think, you know, there's a lot of lessons that can definitely be learned. But I think basically it's been an extremely positive way that, you know, we've got our brand recognition. I mean, it's certainly not a cheap way, but, you know, you spend money on TV advertising, magazine advertising. It's all expensive. As a brand that is national and also global, we have to find ways that we can actually get the brand message out the best way possible for a global and national brand. And that we found has been incredible, you know, having number one tennis player in the world. And, you know, Sophie Monk was the bachelorette. Well, that was in Australia, but then she was also the host of Love Island, which is actually now showing in UK, I think. So it's a great way to actually get brand recognition not to mention those Sophie Monk, were they called Love Bites? Yes, you've got so yeah. delicious. I'm really yes. excited. So delicious because yes. we've had them at your house before. And yes. So yum. Yes, they're selling extremely well. We actually have just got them into Coles, United Petrol, Ritchie Supermarkets, Priceline, Chemist Warehouse. So all of a sudden they're in a lot of places. And you talk about influencers, Sophie actually came with me to a Coles meeting. Now, from a brand ambassador perspective, that was huge. And she's amazing like that, but you know, it definitely helps. Mm. Definitely helps. That's clever. So love talking about you're this big national, international, global brand. And I think from the outside, as everything often looks from the outside, just totally different. You know, you would think, wow, this is some huge company. And then we hear you say, there are three of you and it's Shaz, it's Shaz's son. And there's a third person. That is just so incredible and exciting to think about, you know, reimagining the way that a business looks like and runs from the inside. Why did you make that decision that you wanted to run your business in that way? Look, at the time, it was because it was a hobby. 
and really hadn't positioned ourselves to that sort of growth. And I started by working from home and in the end, absolutely loved it. And the other people that have worked with me, I've only had two other people besides Jamie in the business, and they also loved the opportunity to be able to work at home and do everything remotely. I mean, I have an office. I just don't like going to the office. You do? I do. I you do. You have a physical office? A physical office, but I share it with Peter. So I say, you go to the office, I'll stay and work at home. (laughs) Yeah. There are negatives and positives from what we've done. I look at some of the other businesses that are in our category and they've gone from what we do to massive growth in terms of the people that they employ, as well as, you know, some of them actually get their own manufacturing facilities, which I looked at at times and I think, oh, you know, their growth in terms of also their turnover has the capacity to obviously be a lot higher than ours. So up until recently, I actually looked and thought, maybe that's the way we should be going. And suddenly, with what's happened in the world, I am saying thank you that we haven't done what we've done because we were able to hold out some of our orders and strip everything back so that we could actually make money rather than lose money during this time. So I actually am so grateful for that. But mm. it's not always the right way. But for us, it's it's really worked well. Well, and it's so easy, I think, to look at, you know, bigger is better. Because I think that's like a big part of our culture. You know, we've often fallen prey to that where we're like, oh, we're a team of four full-timers, but people that have 10 or 20, like, can we be like that? That means more success. And I feel like there's something cool in just actually questioning why that is and what does success actually look like to you? And from knowing you, you know, you seem like you have a fantastic lifestyle as well. And I don't know if the people that you have worked with, you have had kids, but being able to provide people that flexibility for women to have families and work from home. Or men. Totally. And men as well. Very good point. Jamie, I know works in Sydney and you work in Melbourne and being able to like design that lifestyle element and putting that into it. That's a huge factor in how successful we determine ourselves to be when we take that typical power money out of the equation. Definitely. But the other thing too, in terms of not hiring people is the amount of people that have, you know, staffing issues. You ask people, what's the biggest headache that you have in business as a CEO or founder, or even within that business, it's finding the right staff, it's managing staff. So what we do is I've got a great graphic designer. She has her own business. When we need her, she's there. When we don't, she's got other jobs. The warehouse that we contract out, They have other products in there and our manufacturers make for other people, but it just means that we don't have to manage a lot of people. So we can actually focus on other things like bringing out new innovative products and doing the social media, doing the influencer marketing and actually doing the things that we all really like to do. So as somebody who is a pro at working from home, because you've been doing it for 15 years, we wanted to ask you if you had any work from home tips, because we're all (laughs) becoming pros at working from home. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was definitely before my time. (laughs) I have been, as you say, working from home for 15 years, working from home in my leisure wear for 15 years. (laughs) 
Oh, that's very I, ahead of I time. Would, I would only get out of them when I went to meetings and now I can actually go to meetings in... Well, no, we don't do meetings, do we? But if we did meetings, meetings, now I wouldn't hesitate because everyone's sort of doing it. So I really feel like I'm definitely a trendsetter. <laughs> Look, I think one of the important tips is, and it's not always easy to do it, but to have a separate space away from where you have your recreation time because otherwise you can be working 24-7 if you don't have that workspace as against home space. So I think that's really important. You also have to get into a routine because if you don't have that routine, you know, you might then stay in bed till nine o'clock and it's really important to keep some sort of routine and get your activity. Like for me, what I do is I get up, I go for a walk, I do my exercise and then I go straight to my desk. It's kind of like a habit now, but I suppose I've formed over those years. But it's really getting into a healthy habit of a routine because otherwise I think you can be working either too long or maybe not enough. That just reminded me, I think you gave us a really good email tip. Yeah, you're very responsive. I was gonna say, yeah, I am too responsive. But you know what? As bad as it is, like we've had somebody email us nine o'clock at night and I'm sitting on my phone watching Netflix or whatever, and I'll actually respond to it. It's not always a good thing to do, but if it's an issue that somebody's had with an order or something, if I respond then, it's actually amazing how people come back to you and say, oh, wow, thank you so much. That was amazing. And then we actually establish a little bit of a relationship. I always fix whether I send them some product or or something just to fix the situation. And you actually win your customers over more so than before. And the other thing too is we've also had overseas distributors contact us late. And Jamie is also as receptive as I am. And they've chosen a couple of companies to contact. They've gone with our company because we have been so receptive and quick. So whilst it can be a detriment, it also can be a very positive thing to do. Mm. You just have to work out when. I mean, on a Sunday, I probably wouldn't do it. Totally. Yeah. You got to work out what's best for yeah. you. Yeah. And if it's not stressing you out by looking at your phone, then that's okay. But I think that if that's coming into your nighttime turn off and then getting stressed, that's bad. Correct. Especially, you know, you're out and about with friends. You're certainly not going to respond to emails. Yeah. We've gotten a couple of like auto emails lately that are like, this is a happy inbox or like this is a zen inbox. I only check it once a day or twice a day or something like that. I'm trying now to check my inbox way less, but I then find that emails get out of control. So yeah. I'm still trying to find yeah, that it's happy a balance. Place. Yeah. My star sign's Taurus and I'm very organized. So I'd rather get it done and not think about it afterwards. Whereas yeah. other people, you know, it all builds up and then they're happy just to, you know, do it then. I'm an Aquarian, so I can go weeks without responding to my emails and just being in my happy imagination land. So. Oh, <laughs> lucky you. You see, that's a good thing too. <laughs> yeah, good and bad. I don't know what my star sign means about my email I'll have to find out later. I'll ask my (laughs) co-star. So something people ask us about is how do I find a mentor? And I think you were actually our first business mentor and we were on a startup program together called Mamilla, which is where we got paired together with you being our mentor. And there were a lot of incredible mentors on that trip, a lot of big, loud 
voices and a lot of awesome entrepreneurs as well. And we all went and took a trip to Israel together and we got to go to these amazing, how cool is that? We, can we have a reunion of that, oh, by the way? It like, was really fun. We tried to have a reunion, but only about six people showed up. It was like oh, around the corner. But I yes. mean, let's go to Israel again or like Silicon Valley was oh, what we always oh, also yeah. talked about. That could be fun. But something that we remember distinctly about you is that we were going to see these incredible startups and hearing about how they worked and hearing from all kinds of really impressive people. And at the end, everyone would be putting their hand up. Everyone would be asking the questions. And you would just kind of sit back. You would absorb everything. And then always like at the very end, if you did have a question, you would just put your hand up and ask the most on-point question that we were all just like, yeah, we all want to know that. You weren't adding your voice for the sake of it. And we wanted to ask you, is that an intentional way that you learn? It's funny, you know, because... I do that socially too. When we go out, like sometimes people will say, oh, you're a bit quiet or something. I love listening. And I think sometimes people talk too much and don't actually listen to what other people say. And, you know, they're thinking about what they're going to say next and they actually miss what the person is saying. So I do, I love listening and taking it all in. And I'm not going to ask a question unless I really need to, whereas other people love to be the centre of attention at these things and stand out. So I just think from a relationship perspective too, I mean, I love going to like business things, meeting new people, listening to what they're doing. I'm going to learn a lot more from hearing what they're doing than they're going to learn hearing what I'm doing. So why not? That's yeah. an incredible tip that I think we can all really, really learn from is to listen more. And even from that social element, that's so true. And something that I've noticed about myself lately is I often dominate conversation in a social setting. Renan has been saying to me when we're on Zoom calls and I'm like on headphones, he's like, does anyone else talk in these conversations? Because you say a lot. <laughs> Actually, my co-star gave me a good nudge. Do you know what co-star is? No. It, oh, it's an astrology app oh. that you put in your birthday time. I thought you were it, her co-star. No, <laughs> no. And it sends you a notification every day and it just gives you like a little tip about your day. And a couple of mine have related to listening and that idea. And so the last few social things that I've gone to, I've kept that in mind and I've really tried to be quiet. And I can tell people are enjoying my company more. Mm. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like this co-star. Yeah, you oh, should get great. on it. It's really good. Another app for my phone. The other thing I remember about when we were all away together, which you will remember too, is that I had a BlackBerry. I was the last person on the earth to actually have a BlackBerry. <laughs> and it was going on that trip that I realised how behind <laughs> I was. And I got my iPhone straight away. And then we had a reunion and I was so excited to show you guys my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I actually also had a BlackBerry for a really long time. I liked them. Yeah, but you I, got rid I'd of gotten rid of five it. years before yeah. Shaz got rid of them. Well before that. I'm a dinosaur, what can I say? <laughs> this needs to be an annual thing, you on our podcast, because we just always get so much out of speaking to you and learning from you. Just incredible. We were promised an Elton John story. Oh, look, I had the best time. I went on my own to LA to do the gifting suites and through PR company, I ended up at Elton John's party on my own. That was the Oscars party. So I walk in, I know absolutely nobody, all dressed up, and standing in the queue behind me is Sharon Stone. And I'm in there and Larry King, I've smiled at him. He takes my arm and he says to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the ladies. He goes, come on, 
takes my arm and takes me to the bathroom. <laughs> Wherever I went, like I was on the dance floor dancing next to Lionel Richie and I'm smiling thinking I know all these people. Anyway, one of the guys starts talking to me. I was in a group of people and he goes, I know you from somewhere. And I said, no, 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 you won't know me from anywhere. I'm just from Australia. <laughs> and he says, you look like someone I know. Anyway, I didn't know him, but I said, you actually look like someone I know. Anyway, it turns out he was one of the plastic surgeons on one of the doctor shows at the time. <laughs> anyway, it was just one of those nights where it was quite surreal. And I actually went back, I think, the year later and Elton John, you know, says, hi, Miss Australia. Oh, my <laughs> and, goodness. And, yeah, so it was – they're all humans, but it's a bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. I think that we really have that in common with you. Yeah. We love that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's all fun. Awesome. Well, this has been so, so fabulous. I feel like we've gotten so much knowledge from you and I'm really excited for people to see what we've been seeing from the last few years, but behind closed doors now we're letting it out free. <laughs> but we do wrap up all of our episodes with some quick fire questions. So we'll just ask you some quickies. What is your favourite Slim Secrets snack? At the moment, it's the Dark Choc Mint Love Bites. We actually just reformulated them slightly and they're so good. And you've, I've bought some for you. Oh, delicious. I can't wait. Thank you. Where is your favourite holiday destination? Because we know you do love a good holiday. I love Byron. Mm. Can't beat Byron. What's the best and the worst thing about working with your family? The best thing is just doing it with them. It's growing with them. The worst thing is there is no worst thing. Oh, I could see in your face that you wanted to just say nachos. <laughs> <laughs> what is the greatest piece of advice that you have ever been given? My husband says, be the best you can be. Easy to do, easy not to do. Love that. So simple. <laughs> and he's an awesome motivational speaker. Yes. yes. I feel like you guys are just such a dynamic duo. Yeah. What does your ideal Sunday look like? Oh, sleeping in, seeing friends, going for a walk, going out for lunches, socialising, listening to my audible books, just chilling. I love it. Love Sundays. Oh, you must have some great book recommendations. What are you reading at oh, the Oh, I just finished reading the ex-CEO of Disney, Robert Iger. Yeah, The Ride of a Lifetime was fantastic. And I listen to all my books now because I look at the computers enough so I don't want to read. So I listen to them and the voice, he read some of it and this other guy and their voices, I just wanted to keep listening, but I just love the story. Mm. It's a really good story. Awesome. Thank you, Shaz, so, so much. Yay! Yeah, 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 thank you. Oh, what a fun, amazing conversation was that with Shaz. I just love being in her presence. She has so much awesome knowledge and I love what she talked about, about how she just sits back and listens and doesn't feel the need to add her voice to the conversation. And it's definitely something that I am going to be practicing more of. And definitely, if you don't have one, recommend you get a mentor like Shaz. She's been an incredible support for our business throughout the years. Yes, love Shaz. So amazing. And what a beautiful opportunity for us to get to sit down with her on this podcast. Like that felt really, really special. So special. I just had a big smile on my face the entire time I was listening back to that. So if you did enjoy the episode, we would just love to ask you to help us get the word out by clicking share and sending the episode to a friend who you think would enjoy it. And also make sure you leave us five stars and a nice little review in the podcast app.
Please and thank you. Next week on the podcast, we actually are interviewing the incredible Samantha Harris. I know you know who that is. I don't need to tell you, but she's supermodel and also I want to call her Australia's sweetheart. Mm, she's really, really sweet. Take a listen. I never ever thought I'd be on covers of magazines or anything like that. I just wanted to be a model, but um, it's just like going to work. I guess basically you're going to your job. I'm going to come home and, you know, I've still got things to do, washing to do. And yeah, I'm just grateful to be doing the career that I've always dreamt to be doing. We will see you on this podcast next week. Make sure you come and connect with us in all our favorite places and make sure you make a new friend this week. Can't wait to hear about it. Bye. See ya. See ya.